What's up, everybody? It's Owen here, and I just wanted to put this little tidbit in before this episode starts with an interview with uh, co-host of BuzzBeat Pod, Spencer Percy. There were supposed to be two guests for this episode. There was a little bit of a time mix-up, and I wasn't able to get the second one on to talk some some Panthers, but I do believe she's going to come on in a later bit. So in this episode, it's a little bit of a late draft recap, but me and Spencer do not discuss uh, the Gordon Hayward news that has, has been announced after we we had recorded that talk is coming up i'm going to do an episode with co-host of locked on hornets walker mail coming up for the next episode this week so something to look forward to but in the meantime i'm doing this mini episode with spencer percy What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the 24th episode, actually second episode of the Queen City Collective. Like I said last episode, there are 22 other episodes out there, but uh, we just ignore those. We got back to a fast uh, fast start here talking Charlotte sports today. I have with me Spencer Percy, co-host of the BuzzBeat pod, uh, Virginia men's basketball enthusiast, and all kinds of other things, and fellow LaMelo Ball doubter up until maybe yesterday. We got a lot of Hornets basketball to, to talk. And honestly, Spencer, I'm just going to jump straight into it with your initial reaction about LaMelo Ball because I haven't listened to anything that you guys have put out with Busby yet. wanted it to be genuine. And I, what do you think about LaMelo at three? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you were on Busby Pod uh, last week with us and you know, we kind of discussed our feelings about LaMelo and, and some of the risks that come with him. You know, I, I remain steadfast in that. <laughs> opinion that you know it's not the pick I would have made at number three but um, you know I, I can also acknowledge his upside I uh, can also acknowledge his you know supreme you know skill set I mean he's the best passer uh, hands down un- undoubtedly you know in this draft and you know, he can certainly break down a defender off the dribble create for his teammates I mean he has a really high upside I, I would I would never um, not acknowledge that but you know, there, there's clear downside. There's a lot that comes with Lamelo. Um, you know, I, I'm pulling for him, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this works out for Charlotte. Um, I do completely understand the idea of, of bringing in a guy that you know is going to help you sell more jerseys, and it's just going to create more fans for this franchise, and they need it, right? They just need that shot in the arm from so many different standpoints. So, mm-hmm. and he's talented. So this could totally work out for Charlotte. They're going to be on TV a lot more next year. They're going to be exciting. They're going to be talked about, et cetera, et cetera. And I think all that's needed for this franchise. So in the end, I'm fine with it. I, I, I'm pulling for the kid. I probably would have gone in, in like a Anyaka Kongwu um, type of direction with this pick and really set my sights for the 2021 draft. But at the same time, I understand the philosophical approach of what Charlotte's doing here by selecting Lamelo, and I, and I support it. Yeah, I'm there with you. I was not too excited about it at first. It's grown on me since 8 o'clock or 8.30 last night, whenever you want to say. ESPN was really, really far behind last night. Twitter kind of ruined the draft for some people I know. Yeah, Um, I agree. but with LaMelo at three, it does bring a lot of excitement. I know Borrego loves to play positionless basketball. Mitch Kupchak talked about that last night after, after LaMelo was drafted. And there are a lot of interesting lineups that LaMelo brings out there because you could have him playing the three in, in a small ball lineup with, you know, P.J. Washington at the five, Miles Bridges playing the four, Devontae and Terry. Borrego also said that he's interested in seeing all three of them play together. That is going to happen more often than, than people seem to think. Um, the defense worries me. 
a lot for sure, especially if your two starting guards on opening night are Devontae Graham and, and LaMelo Ball. Uh, but I do worry about that defense a lot. You're right, for sure. The injection of fans. I mean, LaMelo has more fan, or more followers on Instagram than the Hornets do. I know that was a talking point <laughs> last night. Uh, Spencer, how do you feel about this infamous LaVar-MJ fight that has been <laughs> all over the internet since number three last night? Yeah, I mean, that, that stuff's like – that's like first take kind of content, right? <laughs> like, I'm just taking the storylines at this point. Right, right. Like I, I th- and I've said, like, leading up, to this draft, I think that his background does matter. Um, you know, I think it For matters sure. that he, Ball is his last name. I think it matters that LeVar is his dad um, that has a, a powder keg, uh, you know, type of uh, possible result to it. And, uh, you know, I know ESPN has been pumping up LaMelo for a long time now. You're not going to get Javoni or any of those guys to say anything negative about him. I got it. Uh, I, I get that now. But I think it does matter. I think it matters he played overseas. Um, you know, in, t- in two different continents, uh, he had a reality TV show before he was 16 years old. Oh, you know, goodness, I mean, I forgot about that. Good the, lord, the background is about as unique as, as you can get. Doesn't mean this is not going to work out. I just think he's such a fascinating, like, kind of a sociology, sociology experiment, you know, just in terms of how he's, how he's grown up. Yeah, um, for sure. But I will say this, and you, and you were starting to touch on this a little bit. Charlotte's going to have an identity now, um, with LaMelo, they're going to play fast. They're going to be a really fun product, uh, but but that tempo aspect to their game is is really going to be their identity now. Now, how Mitch Kupchak, Michael Jordan, the front office, how they build around Lamelo, put some wing defenders, you know, around him that can that can really make this team strong on both ends. Like that's the next step. But they're definitely going to have an identity now, and that's grab it, go, play fast, play a very entertaining uh, up tempo up tempo style of basketball. And as much as we can talk about, you know, the growth of Devontae Graham uh, and P.J. Washington and Terry here, these young guys, um, that's all good and well. But Charlotte really still didn't have an identity, right? Like, uh, we still didn't know at the end of the day, like, what are we? Like, it's cool that we had, you know, on the margins growth and all these young players. But, like, what are we? And LaMelo gives Charlotte that. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Devonte showed flashes, and so did Terry. All those young guys showed flashes of you know Borrego obviously wanting to push the pace down the court, you know, as often as they can. And for sure, Lamelo shores up that identity. Now, do you think? this becomes problematic for a guy like Terry Rozier because Devontae Graham is going to get his minutes. And I believe Terry will at some level too, but with that contract, the expectations that Terry Rozier had coming to Charlotte to be the man, does that, does his outlook change after LaMelo ball is drafted? Do they look to trade him? What happens there? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I never really viewed, uh, I know that's how it was like spun in the media. It's like Terry's mm-hmm. now the man. He's coming, this is his team now. He's coming to replace Kimba. Like I never viewed it as that. I think that the Hornets were able to extract something via sign and trade when, when they learned that Kimba was going to walk and, and they didn't want to lose him for nothing. So they got like basically a young player who had potential to get a little better, which he did last year. And also like, $19 million contract. Yeah, that's probably a little rich for his blood for what he is, but it's good salary fodder for Charlotte. Like teams need those kind of salaries because you just brought up an idea. Like, is he going to get traded? Um, the Hornets have the Batum contract, the Zeller contract and the Rozier contract. And they don't really have anything else uh, that you can put in a trade. They have players that people, other teams would like in a trade, but the, mm. the, the salary matching becomes difficult because all the other salaries are rookie contracts, right? 
So, so I think Rozier's like 19 million is it's, it's an interesting piece now. And, and I do think there's a chance they move him. Um, I'm not sure what you, you know, what's out there to be had for him, but if there's concern about the fit, which it doesn't sound like there is from hearing Borrego talk and Cupcheck talk last night, but if there is concern, let's say we get to the trade deadline, Rozier, you know, keeps that three point shooting mark around 40%, 38 to 40%. I think you're going to be able to move him with a year and a half uh, left on that. So, you know, I think they're going to roll it out and see how these three guys can play together in spots to start. But I definitely think there's a chance that the Terry Rozier has moved um, sometime this season. Yeah. My ideal position for Terry next year, not position as in one through five, but role for this team. I would love to see Devonte still running the point. Maybe I'm, I really am kind of confused on what they're going to do with Lamelo. He's going to be a ball handler, ball handler, literally everywhere. I know they're talking about positionless basketball, but if you, if your two starting guards are Devonte and Lamelo, and you have guys uh, Malik Monk off the bench who is bound for that breakout year soon, right? We've been saying it for the past yeah. couple of years, and we haven't really seen that from Malik. He's shown a lot of defensive versatility, uh, one through three, I'd say from Malik, but he's been so inconsistent and I think there's a lot of potential for Terry and Malik to be a really, really productive guard unit off the bench. And of course, like I said, Terry is going to get his minutes, his starter minutes, but I think there are a lot of different interesting combinations that could go into this. Now, again, with Malik, I'm interested to see what the Hornets do with him. That's who I wanted to transition to a little bit. Also could be trade bait. Um, him and Devontae are both due for extensions sometime soon. Um, do you think either of those guys get extensions before the deadline coming up in December? Yeah, that's another good question. I, I think the Hornets probably should go ahead and extend mm-hmm. Devontae Graham. You know, he's eligible uh, for an extension that's basically a salary over four years that's like the, the league average salary. So it comes out somewhere like $53 million, somewhere in that $50 million range over four years. I think that's pretty reasonable in my opinion for Devonte. Um, I know there's some glaring weaknesses uh, in his game, although he really surprised some people last year, but I, but I would, I would kind of double down. I would invest in him after what I, I saw last year and the Hornets certainly have the cast base um, to do it. Malik, I think they're going to play the waiting, wait and see approach. Um, you know, it's such a bummer because he really was playing his best hoops, uh, you know, in January and February, you know, I think of last season before the pandemic hit and, and you know, before his suspension too. Um, so I, I, I don't, I need to think about him more, honestly. Yeah. I mean, like since this LaMelo pick, like I, I, I just started to kind of scratch the surface of like where he fits and all this. I'm certainly going to come off the bench, but like there's a minutes crunch here. Like there's four guys, you got Graham, Rozier, Malik and Ball, and there's only so many minutes to go around, right? Like, only so many three-man combos you can, you can have there. So some somebody's going to probably be the odd man out, and I'm afraid that might be Malik uh, because – and it's just disappointing, like I said, because he really was – seemed to be turning a corner late last season. And that suspension um, killed him. Yeah. It, it, it really yeah, did. It, did. It, it was right after he got one of his – I believe one of his first starts, too, against Indiana, I think, after the like, – You might be right. Yeah, I, I just remember – the game I remember is the game in Minnesota. I think Charlotte mm. won it. I, I don't know if it was, like, late January, early February. I really can't remember off the top of my head. But he he just, like, played with his hair on fire that night. He was awesome on the defensive end. He made numerous great defensive plays guarding Malik Beasley. Uh, you know, I think a, a budding certified wing scorer in this league uh, had an off- awesome offensive game, creating off the dribble, playing in pick and roll. You know, 
hitting shots as a movement shooter. Like it was the it was the complete Malik Monk game of his career. I think we'd all been waiting to see. And then it's like the rugs pulled out from under him. So so we'll see. But I, I agree. I think that the Hornets still have the due diligence to to get him on the court to continue to develop him, even if that's just to audition him for right. trade suitors. Right, and I want to move back to the draft just a little bit because I, I got off of that a little too quick. Talking about the second-round picks, there were three of them. So, as far as we know, so far, nobody's been traded yet. Uh, Second-round god, Mitch Kupchak, <laughs> got a lot of gems. It seems like I was really happy with Vernon Carey Jr. I, I'm, that's going to be an interesting one because it's hard to gauge off of his Duke film if he's lost supposedly 30 pounds because that changes his NBA, mm-hmm. what is going to be his NBA game a lot. Um, maybe he's more versatile on switches. Maybe you use him as a drop coverage guy on defense more often. I'm interested to see what they do with him. And then they got Nick Richards, another center raw prospect, can uh, block shots. Um, and then they got Grant Riller at 56, who was a massive steal. Really might end up being the steal of the draft. I had him graded early second round, late first round. Um, so a lot of a lot of interesting things happening. Um, Mitch did do what he said, talked about getting veteran guys that had played for a couple years in college after picking a younger guy at number three. What do you think of the haul that the Hornets got? Because the national media seemed to love it today. Yeah, I, I mean, Mitch Kupchak is good in the second round. That, that's where he seems to really get his hands dirty. Um, he's – and this kind of came out, if you're listening to Zach Lowe and Jonathan uh, Gavoni's pod – they released a little bit ago, they were talking about cup check a little bit and how his approach is old school in terms of the, most of the GMs in the league. Mm-hmm. He's going to tell you what he feels. There's not a lot of smoke screen. He, I, I don't think that's his style. So, you know, you see all this movement in the first round and you wonder why, why aren't the Hornets really getting involved in this? I don't really think that's his scene. I think in the second round where he can really go get the guys that he scouted and he likes, like that's where he thrives. And we saw that again last night after the last two seasons, uh, in the draft, we, we saw it with him as well. So the hall last night, I, I'm lower on carry selection than you are, but you did call that one. So congrats. You got to be proud of, proud of that at least, right? You, you, yeah, man. You got to take all the wins you can get. Um, so I'm a little lower on him. I, 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 you know, I'm interested in the weight loss. I'm interested in his potential to stretch the floor. Um, he has good footwork. He has good skill. He showed some passing shots to Duke. Like, He's not a broken player. I just yeah. think he's more of an old school style player um, that I'm just skeptical. I, I, I just need to see it. Uh, so I, I think he's going to have to modernize his game. And I think Kupchak, he kind of touched on that last night in the presser uh, about picking him there. So I think he could work. I, I really like the Grant Riller pick. I think everyone on draft Twitter had, you know, had a, a first round grade early second at, at the latest on for him. him. I mean, for sure. three level score. He is maybe has the best first step of any guard in this draft. I mean, what an incredible score that guy is. I think what made him fall is just like he played in the CAA. You know, he played in a small league. I think there were some, he was like 70% shooting at the rim. I, you know, Brian Geisinger talked about this last night. Like there was some concerns, I think, that he did that against the, the, the not so elite competition that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's real, man. I think the kid can play. I think he's going to find a place in the NBA. And then Nick Richards is interesting. I mean, he's a huge, very athletic uh, big who made huge improvements at Kentucky each year. Um, well, just couldn't go without getting a Kentucky guy, right? They, could, they couldn't do it. They had to get a Kentucky guy and, and a guy from the state of North Carolina in the ACC. I mean, that was a shoe-in. So, um, and the thing that Cupcheck talked about this too with Richards, 
sounds like the, the secret on him is that he actually can step out and shoot it a little bit. And we never get to see that from Kentucky Bigs, right? Like dating yeah. back to Carl Anthony Towns, now he's one of the best big man bombers in the league. Um, so if that's true with Richards, I think he's really interesting because he is an, a rim protector. He is very athletic. Um, like he is your prototypical modern, modern NBA five. So I think that's interesting. So, you know, I, th- I think it was fine. Uh, wasn't, like I said, wasn't in love with the carry pick, but they got kind of two bites of the apple with a center. They need help in the middle. And then the realer, you know, they can bring him along slowly. I think the interesting thing with those three, and I just tweeted about it a little bit ago, how are they going to, like, what cap mechanics are they going to use to sign them? If they use cap space to sign all three of those, you know, those are all going to be like $1 million contracts or whatever this year. It doesn't eat that much into their cap space, but it eats in enough to it that you can eliminate certain players in free agency, right? So then they have the room mid-level exception they could use to sign a few of them. And then they got one two-way slot uh, that they can use too. So I'll be watching to see how they, you know, how they put into the cap situation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that is another thing that makes me a little more leaning towards Terry going out the door a little sooner. Maybe they try and package him with Batum to get that contract off the books before free agency, uh, which, which, which I doubt, honestly, you, you've eaten Batum's yeah. contract this long, just wait it out, let it expire. Cause it's an asset to you. Now you've waited long enough for it. Um, but Terry right. being there, we talked about the crowded backcourt a little earlier. I think that's another way uh, you can go about it, looking to trade Terry, like you said, a valuable asset. Now, do you think drafting the two bigs in round two eliminates them from going after a guy like Christian Wood? Again, depends on cap. But do you think that changes their mindset on getting another big in free agency? Yeah, that's a good question. I've thought about that one a lot, and I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I would, I think I would be a little perplexed if they went out and signed a Christian Wood and they spent two second rounders to get two centers. Two centers. I mean, now you, and you still have Cody Zeller, like now you got four centers on the roster and, and maybe one of those they picked last night won't like, maybe he's down in Greensboro and won't actually be on the active roster this year. We don't, we don't know. So that's fine. But yeah, I would, I would think that's a lot to spend on the center position. Um, I, th- I, th- I think probably now what we do, what we can safely bet on is the Hornets are going to try to find a wing in free agency. Like, I think Rodney Hood's interesting. Um, you know, well, what, you really, what about yeah. Bogey if he decides not to sign with Milwaukee? Yeah, I, Bogey, you know, <clears throat> so let's put it this way. If the Hornets did sign all three, like I was just mentioning of these second round picks mm-hmm. with their cap space that gets them to about 15 million in cap space, which it sounds like was bogey's deal in the sign and trade going to Milwaukee or somewhere around that. So it leaves him like just enough room. Um, but if he's backing out of that deal and he said, I didn't agree to this, that tells me he's probably going to get a little bit more in the open market. So Hornets would have to be pretty creative, I think to outbid um, an Atlanta or a New York who are going to have, way more cap space than them. And, and I think he's going to be one of the hotter names, but we'll see. I, I think Bogey's interesting. I think like a Rodney hood or, or Jay Crowder, if you're looking for a, a veteran just to put a, you know, around these mm-hmm. young, younger guys, I think that's, that's more in their wheelhouse where they can win. Like, because those guys aren't going to demand a lot. The Hornets can outbid by a million and make sure they, they get that guy. And I think those kind of play, I know those aren't like sexy names, but I think those are important pieces because they do need a veteran on this team. And, average age of this roster right now, I believe, is like 23.8 years old as of after the wow. draft yesterday, which is insane. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is insane. And 
on top of that, like I said earlier, they need like that 10, 11, $12 million contract that's easily tradable later that you can attach to a Malik Monk, right? Or something mm -hmm. to get to get something back of worth. So, so that's kind of what I'm keeping my eye on. I, I don't think, I, I doubt they're going to get a Christian Wood or a Bogdan Bogdanovich or a, a player like that. It's really a sexy name, Malik Beasley. So, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they can, they can create the space if, if they do want to go after one of those guys. So we'll find out shortly. Yeah, I, I'm there with you. Spencer, I think that's about all we have time for today. I really appreciate you coming on, man. I'd love to have you back. If you are listening to this now, please don't forget to leave a like, rate, subscribe, follow, wherever you guys are listening. Tell me what you like, what you don't like, and we will see you guys next time. Spencer, I appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks, Owen. Really appreciate it.